Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've seen Tully, which is a new Jason Reitman, Diablo Cody collaboration. Yes. It's their fourth film together. They did uh, Juno, Jennifer's Body, Young Adult, Young Adult, yes. and, and then this, Tully, which is about a an expectant mother who has a new child and she's, she's sort of lower middle class, like subsisting on, you know, kind of just barely getting by her and her husband. Um, and she is encouraged by her rich sort of snooty brother to get a night nanny. Yeah. Um, who's someone who looks after the baby when, uh, uh, at night, stays in the house overnight so that you can get some sleep and then wakes you up just when you need to nurse. Yes. So, and, and, uh, and after some reluctance, she decides to get the night nanny, who is called Tully. And thus the film happened. Spoilers here on. That's right. Uh, so the night nanny is played by Mackenzie Davis. Yes. The mother is Charlize Theron. Her husband is played by um, Ron Livingston. And the snooty brother is Mark Duplass. Duplass, or, uh, I guess. Who is... Um, I know from horror. I know him as, as the guy from Creep. Have you seen the Creep films? No. They're decent sort of fan footage horrors. Interesting creepy stuff but um, yeah so what do you make of Tully well I tell you uh, throughout the first two thirds of the film I thought you know because so a little bit of a background to the story I was supposed to meet Mike at the oh, screen yeah. and for various reasons traffic he, yeah he didn't show up so and they didn't let me in okay I, was, I mean I was 15 minutes late for the start of the film but they didn't let me in okay sorry whatever but my point is that had I not been waiting for you or expecting you to arrive, I would have walked out. Okay. Yeah, and that was my feeling because I did walk out out of young adult, right? Uh, so um, I, uh, I'm not a fan uh, of these collaborations. I actually think that she's a very good screenwriter, you know, but I, I, I mean, Jason Reitman directing these films, I mean, I didn't know why the fuck the camera was where it was and what it was doing and where it was going. And, you know, I kind of, I didn't like it at all. Uh, and really throughout all of the beginning, you kind of, I felt, it's one of those worthy films that is kind of conveying all the messages that you want films to take on board and to do it. So, you know, Charlize Theron is pregnant and she's very fat and... You know, she's very badly dressed and she's going through all of these, like, pains of having the child and, you know, and then breastfeeding it and then, you know, kind of all of the things that go along with it. So, you know, it's kind of doing things that you, you intellectually support, but it was, like, unbearable to watch for me, right? Like, and I almost walked out. Uh, and, uh, uh, or I would have walked out had I not been expecting you. Uh, hmm. And then, as the film progressed it kind of became better in a way. Yeah, like I kind of, you know... Um, By what point were you starting to feel like it was not as, not quite as bad as the start? When it became kind of fantasy, yeah? Mm -hmm. You know, they have the car crash... and Towards the end, then. Towards the end, and you have this mermaid dream, and, and actually then I thought, well, it, was this totally a real person? Was it like a fantasy? You know, was it a dream life that she had, mm. right? Like, kind of, none of those things became, were clear to me. I mean, they're still not clear, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I'm curious to know what you think. Well, I think it's very clear that Tully is supposed to have been 
uh, like a like a Tyler Durden, you know, a split personality situation. Yes. Where Tully is her. Um, it's revealed right at the end that Tully is Charlie Theron's character's maiden name. Right. So that this character, that that this na- uh, nanny is called Tully. Is obviously it's her kind of, and and by the end of the film you get this thing of she's she's really exhausted. She's really overworked. Um, so obviously she's kind of been living this sort of this dual life. Life. Okay, um, that's the way I understood it. Yeah. You know, but actually, you know, I would be interested to see what the reviews say about that because I don't think that's as clear as it. I think it is clear. I think it's absolutely clear when the, when the guys when the husband says on the form it's Tully T U L L Y that couldn't no, be clearer. That's that's the way I understood it. Yeah. You know, but um, I mean, I think I, I don't think it's clever. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's not stupid, but it's not clever. But it is clear. I think so. Um, the problem that I had with that, I, I like the film overall. Uh-huh. Generally speaking, I liked it. I think. I think, although I can see your reservations about Jason Reitman's direction, I think everything that he's done, I think, could have been better directed by someone else. Right? Right. I think that's fair enough to say. Yeah, well, that's the main um, point. <laughs> I think that is absolutely true. But I do think he has his flourishes. I do like a couple of montages in particular. The montage of... Uh, so, so right at the start of the film, Charlie Theron is about to burst with the new baby, and then she has it. And, and when the new baby comes into her life... And she has to do absolutely everything, and the dad's not really there, and he's playing video games and whatever, and at work. Um, you get this, you get this sort of fabulously dissonant montage of uh, a kind of beautiful song. I can't remember what the song is, but it seems to be something about like, isn't life wonderful? <laughs> New life, oh how lovely it is to be a mother. And then of course, you know, all the imagery is is running around, getting pains, leaking, it's shit falling over. She's got stuff to do. It's very, very quickly edited and there's and there's the baby screaming over the top of it so it's this great sort of dissonant thing of like something that should be absolutely beautiful that you're told is beautiful and the greatest thing in the world and such a miracle is awful and and you know this kind of it's all put on the woman to do it like there is this kind of under, it's not the focus of it but it is the undertow of that montage that, that the dad isn't helping at all and hasn't and has no idea what the mother's going through um I think that's a great montage and I also really like the montage where um uh the mother and Tully the, the mother's name's Marlo Marlo and Tully are going into town going into New York at night for a, a few drinks and the montage is it's just a it's a chase camera of the car driving in and it just jump cuts as they drive down the road and the song changes every time it's just like you get this feeling of like this, the lengthy journey that they're on but somehow the music kind of keeps it going I thought it was kind of stylish and I enjoyed that uh, I think it has its flourishes, but I agree with what you say about ultimately the camera is generally not kind of well motivated to be where it is a lot of the time. The editing generally isn't either. It's a film that's about its scripts and performance. Yeah, performances. That's right. I mean, but actually, I think the script is very badly served because I think the the script is has all these poetic touches, you know, and kind of all these ways of describing the world that are kind of like poetic in a way. And kind of, you know, the film, the direction is not at all, you know. Hmm. So I think there's like a weird disjuncture between the script and the direction, actually. Um, I just want to say that it's a film that made me kind of ambivalent in a way, because, you know, so unlike most films where Mike and I see it together and we come right back here and we do this podcast, you know, because we didn't see it together, I actually did have come across things online and on Twitter on the film. Okay. you know, uh, uh, and I want to talk about them, which is, you know, kind of almost contrary to our usual... I think it's fair enough. If, you know, uh, if that happens to be the way it is, that's the way it is. Nothing okay. could be informative and interesting. Anyway, so, so, so what I came across that I thought was kind of conversation-worthy is that, you know, the women, or at least some women on Twitter, 
who are seeing this film think it's marvelous and that they completely identify with it, you know, and that they're seeing things in the film. And, you know, and I can totally see that. Yeah, and I can totally see that. I mean, I think, I, for me, I, I know, I'm not a mother. <laughs> Never have been a mother. Um, all that kind of, you know, all that identification stuff is like, it's not direct to me, but I felt like, I felt that the, the, the life of Marlo um, with the newborn was just beautifully evoked. You know, I, fe- I felt like kind of, I felt like I understood every single thing that was going on with her life. I like, I like that there's a kind of, when she explodes uh, in the class, in the, um, in the meeting with the head teacher. Yes. You know, I feel like that's something that probably women particularly respond to because it's like the way they feel like they want to, you know. Like, every woman has probably had that, every mother at least, has, has had that kind of thing where it's like they want to fucking explode because it's all got on top of them. And, you know, that Charlie Theron's character does so is, is it's invigorating at the very least. Yes. I think it's interesting that women are, you know, or some women at least, are identifying uh, with it to the extent that they do. Uh, I don't. Uh, uh, for obvious reasons, <laughs> you know, I'm not a woman. I don't have those experiences. Uh, but nonetheless, I thought you know there was a disjunction of tone. You know, it wasn't very well managed, right? Like there's almost like a kind of a fabulistic quality to the film or to the screenplay. You know, that isn't in the film. The film is kind of shot in in quite a very standard, average, almost realist vein, mm. right? Whereas actually, you know, it's all about dream life and fantasy and. You know, that, I mean, I think the film should have had a different tone. Or th- yeah, or there's an element of that. Although I, th- I think that the film is, is, um, doesn't want to uh, clue you in to the idea that Tully is not real, you know, at any point. I know that. Um, so I know that, but it could have... It's lack of flair is understandable, although I, I again, get what you're saying. Yes. It's not uh, inventive or, or expressive enough. Well, listen, whatever Ivan Reitman's doing... It looks wrong. Jason it feels Reitman. wrong. Say Jason Reitman. It it looks and feels wrong. You know. And I didn't feel. I I don't feel like it felt totally disjunctive. It just felt totally uninspired. Let's say. Okay. You know. Well, for me, it was uninspiringly dis- dis- disjunctive. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I had a problem with the fact that what the film builds is. A very convincing, um, very kind of honest and interesting and engaging relationship between two women. Yes. And then throws it away by ah, by saying all she's doing is talking to herself. To Sorry. Herself, yeah. You know, um, I think that the uh, that feels like although it has a kind of although it has uh, plot purpose and and it has character purpose as well. Like ultimately, what the film is saying is. is is Marlowe is so put upon and so stressed out that she's had to invent, you know, a second person to cope with her life, and it's yes, led to like such exhaustion child. that she's driven into a river and nearly killed herself. So it's like a child uh, investing a friend, inventing a friend. Right. Um, you could argue that it infantilizes the woman. You could do. Um, but it, but I, I, it just meant that that you know this kind of this relationship that because I had no clue, I had no idea that the film was going to say. That Tully was not a real character, and until until towards the end, when you start getting inklings of that, for the most part, it's she's just real, and you accept that. Um, and so that the film then has this twist, felt like a bit of a kick in the face, felt yes. like a waste. Like like I, 
I thought the relationship was so good between them. I really enjoyed the relationship between Tully and Marlowe. Right. You know, I think they, I think they go on brilliantly. It's that kind of, it's like this kind of almost Mary Poppins sort of parody. It's like, I mean, Mackenzie Davis is English as well, although she plays an American. Mm. But it's like, you know, she kind of comes into this household and things just magically start improving, you know. that Marlowe says, oh, good, you know, I'm not a good mother. Good mothers make cupcakes for class. And then she wakes up in the morning and Tully's made all these cupcakes. And it's like, yeah. like you know, the, flat, uh, the house is clean. All this sort of stuff. So life starts to improve magically. And it's like, and I think, I, I, I couldn't say it's necessarily conscious, but it has this Mary Poppins feel of like this magical interluder who, who comes it's in. It's so badly done. Well, I, I mean, don't think it is badly done. I think it's, it, you know, I think the idea and and, and the, the writing is, is really good. And I think the portrayals are really good. So it's not all terrible. But I, I'm um, not even sure the portrayals are good. Um, well, I kind of, you know, I think. Uh, uh, Charlize Theron like she's you know she's very good at making herself look unattractive in the service of roles you know which uh, she does in this you know she looks wan and tired and so on as she's supposed to but actually I don't think that her feelings are transparent you know like I you know I don't get that sense that you get with like great actresses that there's a whole world happening behind their eyes and that you're privy to it I don't get that with I don't think she has time to have a behind the eyes in a life. She's an actress, she should have time. <laughs> okay, like, you know, uh, uh, so. She's so, so stressed out, it's on the surface. I, I think that she does the outer aspects of the character very well. Mm. I'm not convinced that she does the inner very well. And mm. certainly, you know, I didn't feel it was communicated to me. So, you know, the fault could just be mine. Uh, but, you know, it's something kind of worth remarking. Mm. Uh, uh, that she seems like an actress of externals. Uh, so, you know, I don't think the performances are that, you know, I mean, I think they're serviceable, they're fine, I'm not criticizing it, but I don't think it's a marvel of, like, the art to, to see. No. Uh, so, um, and I thought the whole fantasy things were very poorly done. I thought, you know, the, 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 the underwater thing, or she imagines herself rescuing her in the guise of a mermaid. You know, it's a poetic idea, right? And it's visually rendered in such an ordinary way. You know, the images are so ordinary, like an uninspired. It looks just like the shape of water. No, it doesn't look like the shape of water, that's Detonate. the point. You know, it uses a little bit of the color palette, but there's not a single striking image in that the way that there is in the, in the shape of water. I kind of, I'm glad I stayed to the end, uh, but it took some doing, you know. Um, yeah, I, I liked Young Adult as well, so, you know, yeah. I mean, I, well, why'd you walk out of that? Um, they were at the bar, and the whole conversations between the people were like so cutesy-poo and predictable <laughs> and faux-hip that I just thought, oh, fuck off. I actually appreciated <laughs> I appreciated that in Tully there was less of that like you know uh, Diablo Cody uh, when she made her name with Juno it was full of this you know people talking in a very very heightened stylized way um, and I appreciated that this film had a lot less of that and actually um, you know people seemed real you know people people didn't seem like they'd sort of come out of a, of a cartoon or something um, and and like I say um, the, the the conversations between between Tully and Marlowe are interesting and they grabbed me and I wanted to know what they had to say to each other. These are two people 
you know, what, at the time you think that Tully's real. These are two people of different generations. Tully is 25 years old and Marlo is knocking 40 um, on her third kid. And she kind of feels like, you know, kind of life has passed her by. She hasn't done things that she wanted to do. And they're talking about, did she settle for the right guy? And, you know, should she have had you know, someone else? And, and these conversations about kind of what life is supposed to be and what it can be and, and, and what you feel like you missed out on, then Tully's kind of saying, no, but you're, you're great. <laughs> you know, you're such an inspiring person just because you get through the fucking day, that sort of thing. Like, I, I get, I, know, I, I can understand what you mean by by feeling worthy and I think again you know with uh, with with uh, the way that Charlie's Theron looks you know kind of tired and baggy and overweight and slumped and you know again I, I get what you I can understand you using the word worthy but it didn't feel like it was it felt like it actually uh, you know had a purpose it engaged me it didn't just feel like it was being done because it was the right thing to do it was kind of you know it was saying all the right things it felt like actually these were characters and okay. they felt real to me okay well um, I'm glad I mean you know it's a film that I hope I'm wrong about but you know but likewise you just can't ignore your own responses and you know my responses are as I said you know that I think it's very badly made um, mm-hmm. the acting is fine but not inspiring uh, and I I thought there was a disjunction between the writing and the telling um, you know the filming and the writing uh, and I kind of, I really hated it through most, most of the way. I mean, I was really like kind of in pain, really. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I kind of, I hated what I was seeing. Yeah. And actually, you know, the moment in bed with the husband and Polly, yeah, and the wife, where at that point you're mm. not quite clued in as to, you know, what's really going on. I kind of thought, Ugh. right, like, yeah, I kind of, I just... I just thought it was a series of bad moves, which kind of come together at the end. Well, that scene makes a lot more sense at the end. Yeah. But um, I was I was very intrigued by it. Like it didn't feel like. <laughs> you know, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? You know? Well, as I said, I think it's a film that I you know I've seen some of some of uh, women's reaction online to the film. Uh, I think, well, I hope that, you know, I hope that they're right and I'm wrong and maybe, you know, it's a gendered way of viewing and, you know, maybe I'm not understanding it properly, mm. you know, um, you know, and, and actually you may also be right about it, you know, but my responses were, as I've said them, I kind of, you know, I really disliked it. Um, let's talk about the sun. The sun, I think, is actually, um, in a way, the focus of the film although the film is, is about Charlie Theron, it's really about her relationship with her son uh, significantly. So the, the, uh, the, the son appears to have autism, although it's never stated as such. All anyone says is he's quirky. They talk around it. So, so the son is at this school that Marlowe's rich brother pays for. Yes. I'm um, not sure about autism. I thought he had some a attention deficits. Well, possibly. I, it get for me. It feels like autism, but it but it it's true. That the film doesn't say as much, but it is a childhood uh, developmental disorder. We can say sure. that much. And all anyone will say is he's quirky. Yes. You know, or he's a very special boy. Yes. You know, and this is I think one of the reasons that Marla explodes in that one scene. She says, "What the fuck is quirky like? Do I have a what she say? It's some great line of Dabla Cody's. She yes. says like, you know, do I have a f- fucking video game or something? I can't remember what it is." But, um, uh, you know, she kind of explodes with, like, what the fuck does quirky mean? Say what you mean. Um, 
so she, she's in this school and the school is not really equipped to deal with this and doesn't want to they're they're too high class to deal with you know a, a kid with real uh you know kind of needs um and there's this thing that the that the film opens on i think which is this brushing um so before bed marlo sits there with her kid and brushes him it's like it's not a bath it's just sitting on the bed but it's just with this kind of Kind of, kind of hand brush. She brushes him all over his body, and you see later in the film that's supposed to be about uh, desensitizing him to things or something like this. And 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 you hear um, later on that uh, it, it, she got it basically off a YouTube tutorial. Like she had, she didn't have money to see a, a professional therapist more than once, so she just kind of went for this free YouTube thing. Like it's this, she's doing what she can, right? Yes. And she has no idea if it really does anything, but she does it because it's just like how she's kind of hoping to cope. With with her uh, kind of difficult kid, um, conversation with the kid at the end of that is very good. Yeah, this is what I'm getting to. So the very last scene of the film is this conversation with the kid where she's brushing him again, and or she's about to, and the kid says, "Do we have the kid? The kid's what eight or nine years old?" And the kid says, "Do we have to basically, or, or maybe we could not brush tonight?" Mm. She's like, I, "Yeah, I don't even really know what it does. It's just I was told to." Mm. And and then there's this moment of connection where I just you know I do do you like it she says, and he says I like being next to you, you know and she's like yeah I like being next to you too and it's like so the brushing is useless and they and they both agree on that mm. and and even though he does make eye contact with her this is one of the things that I think is to me screams autism, um, although again you know not uh, specified but. Like the one thing, one of the things about autism is is you don't get these moments of connection, and if you do, they're so fucking precious, yeah. you know. Um, and so you don't get eye contact, and, and you don't get kind of emotional openness. And so the moment when you do in this is so meaningful, and and so so significant, and um, I just love that. I think, and again, that's something I think will really speak to people who've who've. Uh, who I've experienced with that, even though that actually I think that that like this whole subplot almost has nothing to do with Tully. I, I, it the stress of her son would be one of the reasons that she's invented Tully for herself. Mm. Um, but it is this kind of it's just this separate plot that that kind of swims along independently, mm. but nonetheless it's kind of the anchor. It's not. I don't think it's a it's a I don't think it's a coincidence that the film ends up on it. And that's its final emotional. No, it kind of uh, begins as a thread that runs throughout. And actually, you're right. That is one of the lovely moments in the film. Yeah. No. Uh, um, I think that relationship was was beautiful, and, and um, because again, it's 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 not just it's not just stress over a kid, but it's she's fighting for her kid all the time. Yes. You know, she wants she wants things to be right for her. She she's told by the school to get this. Uh, a one-on-one tutor, tutor to, to kind of handle him but she'll have to pay for it and of course she can't um, but you know but but she'd love to she, you, you, you have, there's obviously no question that she would if she could yes. um, but, but she just can't and this thing of like again trying to cope and it's for the sake of, of her son someone she loves and has to do right by mm. can we maybe end on a word on the husband why do you have to... So if you're going to make the husband so one and just almost spectral and stupid and unfeeling and unthinking and unempathetic, why at least not cast a, um, 
a more charismatic actor. <laughs> right? I mean, I thought there was a real problem there. <laughs> you know, if you if you if you hire an actor who completely is he's a complete non-entity on screen, and then you have him play you know the part of a non-entity, really, because he's not bad. The husband, he's just not very good. Absent, right? Like he's just almost not there. And if you cast him with an actor who can't project, it's like the whole thing kind of is like an, a, um, a void. The husband is, as a character, pretty thinly drawn. You know, so it kind of, it, it's like they take shortcuts to characterize him really. You know, so he, he does, he's not really there. He, he works away quite a bit. He plays video games when he gets it. I mean, that thing of sitting on the bed with his headset on playing video games while Marlowe's trying to talk to him or sleeping next to him is kind of. That to me is what felt like like too much of a sort of it was not yeah it's a caricature it's a shortcut to explaining what this character is mm. and um, it actually feels lazy that mm. um, uh, I, I suppose I didn't really have a problem with the way he was played but I, I um, although I can see your point um, I mean obviously he he wasn't really the focus so I guess that kind of helped like uh, uh, ignore that. He wasn't played as as well or as interestingly or as much of a character as he could have been. He's not the focus, but he's the source of a lot of her pain and trouble. Yeah, you do so get this thing right at the end where he doesn't. He, it's not that he is a bad person, but he just isn't attentive and doesn't realize all the shit she's been going through. Exactly. So I think you needed a better, more charismatic actor who made more of an impact than you yeah. know uh, the actor who played him. And when, I suppose when you get to the end of the film, just quickly thinking about it, when you get to the end of the film and, and you've discovered that Tully is this invention of Marlowe's um, and that the, the doctor says to the husband, she's incredibly exhausted, she's been overworking, what's going on? And you realise that the, dad, uh, the, the husband um, you know, doesn't really know what's going no on idea. in her life, has no idea. Um, again, this is an instance of the film uh, talking about a, a, a mental illness. Um, without using the name like I think you would call it postpartum depression yes and actually it's referred to in her first pregnancy but the film yes so you know the, the, the film tells you that she had a very bad postpartum depression with the previous child right you know but she's doing very well now and actually what you realise at the end of the film is she's had an even worse postpartum depression Mm. Right then, the previous time, but the husband has been completely uncognizant of it. So I think there is something. Um, it just occurs to me in the kind of, in the in the undertow of the film about um, a, a kind of prevalence of uh, mental illness that is um, possibly undiagnosed or in, in, at least kind of present in people's lives where you just don't kind of really realise it. So with the kid, he's quirky. He he doesn't appear to have a diagnosis, or people would use the phrase or Asperger's or whatever. Um, if he had a diagnosis, people would say that, so he doesn't. But clearly he has a developmental disorder, which is why he, he's, he's troublesome, they have people trouble coping with him in school. And and you have this postpartum depression with the mother, um, which is you know, incredibly common. And, um, and again, I suppose you could use the word worthy to describe that, although I, you know, I don't think I would. I think I would, I would say it's, it's subtle and actually kind of realistic and... and um, Actually, quite effective. That it's just it's a, it's a, it's an undercurrent as opposed to a point. You know. Okay. Well, you know. Again, I think we just have a difference of opinion on this one, and I think actually most of the reviewers are are, are with you. And you know. And again, I hope you and they are right. I just kind of thought it was uh, very self indulgent and very badly done, 
on kind of an important theme that the film doesn't quite do justice to. Fair enough. I liked it, and I think it's really good uh, Mary Poppins parody. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, kind of, let's leave it. Yes. <sighs> we're um, we're eavesdropping at the movies. We're on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud. If you just Google eavesdropping at the movies, I imagine we probably. I never tried actually. I'm just going to Google eavesdropping at the movies now to see what happens. See if we actually show up on Google. Give me a second. I think you will probably show up on Google. Let's hope so. Yeah, it's yeah. Our, our website and all that sort of stuff shows up. Player.fm. I've never even heard of that, but we're on it. Yeah, fantastic. There you go. So yeah, if you Google it, then we show up. Isn't that nice? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for listening.